Are you ready to go? Welcome to Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends, or O-N-P-A-W-F. I'm S-B-R. Wait, no. What's the B stand for? (laughs) (laughs) I'm S-R-S, and I'm with D-R-M, and we are O-N-P, here to rock you all. You down with O-P-P? Yeah, you know me. Be down actually, with ONP is what you should have said. I, I should have, but I, I I couldn't resist doing that call out. I would point out that the other day I said that in the car with my wife, and she somehow did not respond with "Yeah, you know me," which I think is a great failing uh, if of anyone in our generation. Um, yeah, I assume there's many of our listeners who have no idea. Probably, probably. It's weird, too, because I don't know if anyone actually remembers the song as being a song worthy of, like, appreciation. <laughs> but that one line sticks out all the time to me. I mean, you know, a friend of mine the other day started singing Baby Got Back, and uh, it distressed me to know how many lyrics of that song I was able to sing uh, straight from memory. Well, I went on this whole Twitter kick at 3 a.m. of watching the movie Mannequin with uh, Andrew McCarthy and a very adorable um, Kim Cattrall, who was 30 years old at the time, but looks like she's in her 20s. Um, (laughs) And they had that earworm by uh, Jefferson Starship, which was uh, Grace Slick's group (laughs) after Jefferson Airplane. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? Vaguely. She sings that song like, Nothing's gonna stop us, nothing's gonna stop us now. Oh, yeah. Just go to any greatest 80s hits and it's there. It's almost embarrassing, though. I mean, I I love it. I love it, but compared to, like, the stuff she did in the 70s with Jefferson Airplane, which is essentially the same band, it's, like, night and day different. You know, you got, like... Don't you want somebody to love? And you got all these psychedelic rock songs, and then they went and they got the big hair. It's almost like they just picked up the big hair kit. Or, like, they they did the video for Mannequin, and they just put the, like, mannequin wigs on and called it a day. It's pretty embarrassing, but the 80s can be like that. I, I mean, what is the most embarrassing decade? I don't know, because one of our friends was telling me that we should be embarrassed for the 90s because the music sucked. And I was like, I like some of the music. Yeah, I like a I lot know. of the music. I mean... That's like a very general way of saying that. I think, I think it is because it's... It's, um, it's cool to be... It's cool to hate, right? Um, it, <laughs> no, in the sense of like that's the most uncool thing you've ever said. But you yes. gotta be you gotta be cooler than your audience, so you have to disdain the things that you might otherwise unironically just appreciate. Um, it made me start thinking though, if like on a technical level, if the '90s music was worse than say something that came out in the 2000s or 2010s. And I don't know if I can answer that. I mean, I know that I liked things like... There were things that I liked that were 
definitely strong songwriting and stuff like Tori Amos or Nine Inch Nails or I don't know. I mean, even I, I still like Pearl Jam, but yeah, uh, I, I like Pearl Jam. Um, you know, I liked, we both liked Green Day. I liked and unironically still like R.E.M. Um, oh, yeah. I don't like everything I, that they do, but yeah. <laughs> I would say stuff. R.E.M. I would say R.E.M. is one of those bands that, and I think they would agree that like they have some really good songs and then there's just a bunch of songs. There's just a bunch of songs that do nothing for me and they're littered on every good album. Like there's at least four or five per album that just, I feel oh, yeah. nothing listening to them. But I mean, that was kind of the feeling that I had of, of all sorts of music um you know back then you know in my opinion if i had an album where there were two bangers on the album it was an investment and everything else like yeah maybe i could listen to it maybe not yeah like i think i think like something like weezer or green day their seminal albums were like were super strong and had like no filler i'm i'm taking a look at the some of the the biggest hits of the 90s. Let's see what the number one is. Oh, crap. I went too far. I'm in the comments. Oh, yeah. Number one was Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit, 1991. That makes sense. And and that is not a great, like, it's not it's not a technically brilliant song, but everything about it, like, fuels my 90s love. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it, it just, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and... Now that we've talked about the greatest hits of the 90s being from Nirvana, whose lead vocalist committed suicide, it's a perfect segue back into the show, because this is my favorite episode, but it's also one of the strangest. It's almost completely disconnected from what we've been dealing with so far, or at least it would appear to be. It really feels very... I I had to stop partway in and be like... Wh- did I skip anything? Did what what <laughs> happened? It feels almost like he had a treatment for like some kind of short or movie that he was doing. I'm I'm referring to Satoshi Kon, the director. Like he had this treatment and he was gonna like make this other story, and then he's like, you know what? There's not enough here. What if I just make it an episode of my show? Like maybe even the show Paranoia Agent is a bunch of disparate ideas that he assembled from like notebooks over the years of ideas that he wanted to pursue but didn't quite have like the the hook or the full-fledged like flesh and 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 story elements that would make it a finished product but this especially feels that way to me i think that paranoia agent has had some of this sort of insidious symbolism in it from the very beginning and i want to point you to the opening animation Uh, The first thing you see is Sukiko on the roof with her shoes off in her hands. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but it is a not-so-subtle visual representation of suicide. And I've refrained from discussing it until now because I knew this episode was coming, but Japanese people traditionally take off their shoes before killing themselves. Yeah, that one is is a cultural touchstone that you alone needed to bring to this conversation because that would not have... uh... That was not something that I was aware of. Well, if it makes you feel better, you can somehow relate this to Sundance Film Festival if you like. I can't. Uh, trust me, I'd love to to go to that cultural touchstone, but I'm coming. The well is running dry. The well has <clears throat> run dry. Um, this actually happened in a case, in a very famous case, to a Japanese idol named Okada Yukiko. Um, she 
was in love with someone. They didn't return her love. She was uh, unable to pursue it because of her commitments to her um, to her record label. And she attempted suicide once by, I believe it was uh, putting her head in the oven or pills or something of that nature. Might have been both. And she survived. And while they were discussing what to do about it from a PR standpoint, because it was a disaster, she ran to the roof, took her shoes off, and threw herself off the top of the building. So she was very determined to kill she herself. Was committed. Much like, she did not she care very... about the PR implications of what she was trying to do. It was a tragedy, but it spawned a lot of um, copycats, and it spawned a sort of culture. And I remember when I was in Japan in 1990, there were like lots of movies and other sort of things that revolved around the idea of a suicide cult, and that comes up in this episode. Um, but it's got a twist, and Don, do you want to talk a bit about the twist? <laughs> because it's it's a very humorous twist on what could be a very, very sad and depressing episode i don't know i mean i guess it's a twist it's it's kind of like um the sixth sense in reverse where it seems that all of our participants here are dead already oh Uh, uh, you're gonna go there already i wasn't ready to go there because what twist are you talking about The twist is that there's two older men who you would assume would want to kill themselves. And the third turns out to be a child named Kamalman. Okay, that was... (laughs) And she's a a patch of sunshine on a cloudy day. Yeah, and she... Yeah, it... This is is sort of the comic relief. You know, these zebra and I forget the the name of the old... Fuyubachi. Um... They meet, and they're like, okay, we're waiting for our third, and Fuyubachi. <laughs> See, a, you're laughing. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, but I, I didn't know that was the twist. The twist to it's me a delightful, was... It's a delightful subversion of what we expect. Yes, but it does beg the question, because it is a... You know, we're, we're talking about the dark issues of, hey, this is a suicide pact, and they've got what appears to be like an eight-year-old girl who's tagging <laughs> along with them. Yeah, uh, a tag-along is the perfect way to describe her. Um, it's it's unsure why she wants to kill herself for quite some time. At first, she just seems like she's just, like, going with the flow, and if you're going to kill yourselves, I'm going to kill myself. Don't leave me behind, ha ha ha. Um, they try multiple ways to kill themselves, which are all rather exciting and humorous. Uh, well, the first one's not all that exciting or humorous. It's maybe exciting, I guess. They try to overdose. Yep. Um, and... They both are trying to overdose and, at the same time, suffocate themselves. Yes. Okay, so they, they're trying to find the most peaceful way to die. That's their first their first attempt. And as they keep failing, it becomes a comedy of errors. So we start with them trying to die peacefully, then Kamome shows up after they tried to ditch her because they didn't want to kill themselves with a kid. And... They go into an abandoned lot. And then, like, as they're about to, like, go peacefully into the other world, or so it would seem, the uh, the, the construction vehicle comes blasting through the wall, ruining their plan. Um, 
then, Although I don't know how that would, you know, influence the pills. And I seem, they seemed pretty, um, they seemed pretty nonplussed by the whole thing, honestly. <laughs> yeah, they um, weren't especially uh, affected. <laughs> right, and I mean, uh, Zebra in particular downed what looked like a hell of a lot of pills. Like, you wouldn't just be, like, bopping around after that, even if... Or maybe the, uh, you would if, like, you were shocked out of your skin by a giant construction vehicle blasting through your door. Yeah, that 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 jolt of adrenaline would certainly help. But uh, if you're going to shake off 40 sleeping pills on top of that, it's going to be rough. You know, as far as the logistics go, I don't know. But it's funny. And it gets funnier. So that's just, like... A little chuckle that's not like a full belly laugh but then they go and they they say what's the quickest way we can die and they plan to jump in front of a train <laughs> and this is my favorite because kamome is like she's dancing in between the lines she's like jumping up and down she's so excited by everything it seems like she's never even seen a train before and then they have this plan they're going to they're going to jump, but they're going to push Kamome back to save her. Because they don't think that she should be... She should die at that moment. They think that, that they can they can keep her from dying. But their plan goes to shit because someone leaps before they can. That actually was the most amusing bit of the entire <laughs> episode, in my opinion. Like They're like, alright, we're almost ready. And then this guy leaps out in front of the, <laughs> the train... And everyone's like, whoa, that's pretty gross. And so then they just, there's no even discussion. They're just like, no, I guess this isn't, we're not going to do this. Yeah, even if they were, even if they still were considering it, at one point the guy reappears and he's like, oh man, I don't feel so good. (laughs) And he's got like a, he's got like a bleeding head wound and his leg is all bent. Yeah, and, uh... This, I didn't real because I was a bit confused at this at the time, but I, I didn't focus enough on it. Like that, you zebra, think that, that might be a hint that they're dead. Well, and it was that a, they were seeing yes. a dead man. Well, since I've already let the cat out of the bag, but um, the implication is that the jumper died. But then you see this person limping off, and no one's even trying to help them, right? He's just limping off, and everyone's just not even looking at this misshapen lump of a man who's just sort of dragging himself towards the exit. Yeah. Uh, Now that I look at it from the perspective of we might not be seeing time as rigidly as the living do, because the the inserts of them typing on their uh, message board system, their bulletin board, their BBS, um, for the suicide cult that they're in, they seem to be lining up perfectly with what they're doing at the moment. So already the framing device that's being used is probably creating sort of a, a psychic space for us to realize that this has already happened. That we're not seeing things like as they're happening. We're seeing some kind of after image of their life or something like that. Um, but anyway, that is also a question that was when they died or what killed them. Yeah. And did they die together? 
did they die together is another one or did they were they just lost souls who found each other but it would seem that they're the same people from the website that that organized these things unless the website is not actually a website but i think it is because they talk about fox who is actually the alter ego of kozuka and he was apparently part of their i don't know if you wanted to call it a death cult but yeah i so if kozuka is I guess this is adds a dimension to Kozuka that we hadn't seen before, and I find it a little bit confusing, because in all the conversations that we had between Ikari, Maniwa, and Kozuka, Kozuka didn't express any suicidal tendencies. So why is he hanging out on this uh, on this website? I think it's because he wants to belong to something. He wants to be part of something. He wants to be special. And he tried out a suicide cult, but ultimately didn't didn't follow through with it. And it would seem that a lot of the suicide cult people spent a lot of their time sort of finding ways to extend their decisions. <laughs> Um, I t- already talked about them trying to find the perfect way to die. Oh, this way is too pain. This way was supposed to be the least painful. This way is supposed to be the the, le- the the quickest, but it was not the prettiest way to go, as one guy says. Um, I love the line, by the way. These are hard times. The Grim Reaper doesn't have time for us. And I love the part where Fuyubachi starts listing off ways that they can die, or they start doing it in the message board, and everyone is poo-pooed by Kamome, who just wants to ride a train to somewhere far away. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's all what, happy-go-lucky. It's happy-go-lucky. Well, the music suddenly picks up. It's almost like Peanuts music. And then they all, like, Did you laugh. Think right? Like, yeah. The, and somebody was like, hey, eat cigarettes. Like, crumple them all up first and then eat them. Like, wow, what a terrible way to die. Like, I don't even understand how that would kill you. Like, you'd have to eat so many cigarettes. Oh. Yeah, I don't I don't think that would be very tasty. Oh, it would definitely um, not be tasty. I also don't understand the mechanism by which it kills you aside from like tar poisoning or what? I don't even know. Oh my god, there was this boy in college that I liked and he wrote a story about this guy who's programmed to eat cigarettes in his sleep. Yeah, it was like the grossest thing. I totally liked that guy. <laughs> For that reason, I don't know. He, his mind was like so fucked up. Anyway, I've talked enough about that. Was um, it in high school? Sorry, what? No, college actually. Yeah, I was gonna say because I took uh, a creative writing class, and his works were the ones that spoke to me most. Well, I mean, I can understand why that might stick with you. Yeah, like I never had an idea like that—something so gross and so bizarre. You had some pretty weird and bizarre ideas, but that—that's. That's uh, getting up there. Yeah. Anyway, so they go... At one point, they do fake us out, though, because we think that Fuyubachi's dead because he's, like, totally asleep and, like, passing out on the train. And so that makes me think... Like, I keep going back and forth with this. I'm like, well, was he dead then? Or yeah, was, that are we also, seeing a memory? I was like, huh, this guy died? How weird. One thing I don't know, and I wish I could have looked it up beforehand, but I don't know what that package that he has that has food in it is. 
he has a little envelope that he carries with him. I don't know if it's food he bought at the train station that just comes packaged that way, or if that's our first hint that he's dead. I don't know. Uh, If any of our listeners know, tell us and we will bring it up in another episode and and go into the details. But I would love to know. Just write us at Okashina Podcast. That's O-K-A-S-H-I-N-A Podcast on Twitter. Um, Tell us what that little packet is because I don't know. Was it peanuts? Was it circus peanuts? What is it? I'm still... Let's. Can we go to the other thing that he carries around, his last pill? Oh, yeah, because he has two of them. Or more. No, I think this is... I think this is when... This is part of the puzzle that we are supposed to use to figure out that he is already dead. Right. I mean, he has two last pills. Well, but... He doesn't. He simply has the same last pill that he never takes. or No, he whenever... did take it. That's the thing. He can't change the state of nature because he's a ghost, right? So he takes the pill, but it doesn't. nothing ever happens. Yes, they try and kill themselves, right. but nothing ever happens. Right, and we don't... We, but it was confusing when I first saw it because I saw him take his last pill and say it was his last pill. And then I saw him later again take his have his last pill again so yeah we get a, a little hint about why different people killed themselves and his is he's saying the name of sayo and we don't know if that's his daughter his wife but it would appear to be that he lost somebody close to him and we also find out when uh, zebra's locket falls down after a botched <laughs> suicide in the suicide forest, probably Aokigahara no Jukai, which is where your favorite Logan Paul filmed. <laughs> or was it Jake Paul? I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Don't sue me. One of the Pauls like, did this thing Pauls where they went to like together. the suicide forest in Japan and they filmed it live and they actually showed like dead people and they got in huge trouble for cultural insensitivity because they live streamed it. Which Yeah, I think it was bad. I think that's pretty straightforward. That place is one of the only places in the world that actually kind of scares me. Uh, I had the opportunity to go there, but I never actually went because I had this really eerie premonition that I shouldn't. It's a place where people go. It's near Fuji. Mount. I think it's near Mount Fuji. And uh, traditionally people just go there and they get lost, kind of, so that they can't come back. And they either die of exposure or they hang themselves or... And there's been so many suicides there that they don't even know how many bodies are are in that area. Like, they just keep... They just find them at random. Like, it's pretty scary. Yeah, you've done a good job convincing me that it's bad. (laughs) But but it's fun in this version because... (laughs) They they stack a bunch of stones, and here again we've got some, some weird imagery. These stones are... I don't know exactly what they're called, but you find them a lot nowadays. Uh, it's kind of like a trend to stack stones that way. Oh. But they're kind of zen stones. They're like, you stack them, and there's a certain type of hell where you just keep stacking those over and over again. So it's really strange that they chose specifically to stack their their the stones they were standing on that way. 
such a such an a, a difficult thing to balance on. <laughs> well, I'm cur- so I'm curious as to whether you think that was deliberate imagery or if they were um or if it was simply a comedic bit because they stack these stones, they're all wobbling on top of them. Their necks are in the uh nooses. And then I think the comedic moment or the the climax here is that Zebra is saying, well, who's going to, you know, it, it imp- the implication is they're all ready to die. They're getting themselves set up in the circumstance. And then Zebra says, well, you know, who's going to be the one to tell us that it's time to go? And uh, Fuyubachi is like, well, he, he refuses to be the one to, to say anything. Meanwhile, Zebra <laughs> slips starts choking and is like hey you gotta actually give the word or i can't kill myself and here kamame again with zeals just chanting swing yep. swing swing yep. and leaping ah, up and starts... down and snapping the branch yep uh and then they have a chance to ditch her but they don't and she says i just don't want to be alone and i think that's pr- kind of what we've been going for here uh is that a lot of these people felt alone and you know when we saw i was trying to say this earlier but when we saw zebra fall his locket is revealed and inside is a picture of he and a man presumably someone he was in a relationship with being gay in japan very difficult it's a very traditional culture i mean it may be better now but at the time it was definitely yes when i was there it was definitely definitely difficult um but there was a subculture and uh and yeah i don't know i don't i don't know what his story ended up being but you know he committed suicide so it couldn't have been a very good ending and uh then you get another of my scenes that's one of my favorites i mean i do love the part where they all like fail to hang themselves in the suicide forest but then they go to the hot springs and to um (laughs) clean their bodies and spirit in preparation for death quote unquote right like <laughs> well and this relates to the message board yes right? they tumble down the mountain and then they're walking and it's like oh well fox said you know you should be um you should be all clean before you you need to prepare for your death by being in like the best condition that you can <laughs> and he didn't look like he was in any condition at all he looked like he was a scrubby uh disheveled um poorly kept young man <laughs> so well it's, i wouldn't yeah, take advice from thing, him the fox thing really bugs me mostly because fox this is the first time we've seen him named as fox and i don't i don't know if that's supposed to mean anything the other thing that got to me is um fuyubachi seemed a lot like the old man who has been our seer and I, did you see any parallels there? Because I definitely sort of felt that way when I was. I didn't. When but I was watching, that's I, interesting. Because the face structure is similar, he looks like a like a slightly younger, more cogent version of the old man that we have that we've been seeing, and the voice inflection seems a little bit the same. I don't know if the actors are the same. I didn't go back and look. No, I don't know. Um, but I wondered if this was the what was weird to me but maybe I should think about this a little more closely is, as I thought maybe this was an earlier time, but then they made references to, um, to little slugger. And I realized this was contemporaneous, 
Um, but I wonder if the old man is in some ways dead and this is the same part of his spirit wandering around. Because um, I didn't really see what he was linked to or otherwise, uh, you know, what was valuable to him. Because um, he didn't have an open locket moment. No, but I mean, he did. I told that he you was, he did say Sayo. So yes, but I but that doesn't connect to anything to me. So I didn't, or I didn't otherwise see how that was linked because he has a daughter in the show. Oh, Sorry, okay. the old I, man. I forgot has a daughter about that. Um, but that would yeah. make sense because we have seen a lot of uh, fathers and daughters, and I, I guess fathers and daughters more than anything. <laughs> I haven't. I mean, we we didn't see Uichi's father at all. We only saw his mother. Um, so I was talking about my one of my favorite parts, and it's when they hear about Fox's death, and they just start, like, beaming, like, teen girls thinking about the football captain. Like, they're just sitting around the table like, oh, death. Oh, I wonder if I'll die someday. <laughs> and, uh, and the tone is just very strange. And... They start thinking about Little Slugger and trying to manifest him. And they start dreaming. And Little Slugger comes and he's making mincemeat of somebody. We never see who he's attacking. Uh, they're at a Japanese-style like Japanese style hotel with the uh, attached hot spring. And as soon as Little Slugger appears to them, instead of running in fear like everyone else we've seen or being shocked and just standing there and getting hit in the face, they actively run after him excited and give him chase, and he comedically stumbles and falls down the steps, sort of freaked out by them, and they scream, wait for us! Yeah, they're, they're fangirls leaping after him. Yes! Uh, yes. And... Although, it was interesting that the old man was not like that. Um, he expressed some trepidation. Right. The two younger people seem to be super excited by the prospect, but Fuyubachi takes his last pill again, and we get a kind of strange scene that I wasn't quite sure how to interpret, but he's terrified of something. I kind of thought maybe he, he could feel death coming for him. Or his death that he had sort of like so this is the part where he says delusion right and so I thought maybe he's remembering that he actually did die and that this this puppet this this not puppet show this play that they're this passion play that they're putting on is is just that it's just sort of a fantasy that they're using to mask the fact that they did in fact die. Um, how did you see this part? And what point does this episode served on? Well, <laughs> so this is the part where, and I had not, I mean, the, the lack, yeah, the, they have the lack of the shadow. There's also something else that I feel like Fuyubachi is scared of something I think it is the shadow, but I also felt like it was something else and I wasn't quite clear about it. Um, just like uh, Zebra was scared right before the the um, excavator came and broke the wall down. And I actually had to watch that scene 
twice in or three times in rapid succession because I thought he must have been scared of something about the girl and then that didn't make any sense. Right. Um, so Fuyubachi's fear of not seeing people... Like, and I guess if you are a ghost and you're delusional about wanting to die, then being faced with the fact that you are dead might be very disconcerting, I suppose. Is that one way to phrase it? Yeah, I think um, so. So that happens to him. But then he seems to recover and they just sort of wander along. Like, they, they just keep going. They photobomb these girls who then are terrified of whatever it is they see on the camera roll. Yeah, right. I, if you haven't realized by that point that they're dead, uh, the scene plays very weirdly because the girls don't really react to the sounds around them. But presumably, the photo that they took shows probably not the, 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 the ghosts looking happy and making funny faces. It probably just shows, like a spirit photo or a distorted photo that shows like an otherworldly presence it's probably it definitely leaves it open to your imagination but i don't your second question is the one i i can't say or i can't answer what does this all this mean um all right so let's extrapolate back this whole thing has been about a little slugger now they actually interact with little slugger Right, and Little Slugger, as far as from the previous episode from Megahertz, that was about um, supernatural, like the fact that Little Slugger's supernatural power meant to, um, or who goes around preying on those who are under a great deal of tension, right? So these ghosts are not necessarily under a lot of tension. In fact, they were just about to go to sleep in this wonderful, you know. Japanese spa um, but then they see him slash he sees them and he runs away while they start chasing him um, we think it's because they want we understand why they're chasing him in principle they want to die um, and they're you know they, they find the idea of him intoxicating whatever you have been. but we're not really sure why he's running away from them right so it seems that he and his supernatural being state can see them and is freaked out by the fact that there are ghosts chasing him. I guess that's one thing <laughs> to consider. Uh, you know, because we don't know what they look like to anybody other than them. Um, right. And we still don't know what Little Slugger is exactly. So we don't know how this relationship functions. <laughs> but what I could say is that I don't think that the ghosts need to be literal. I think that they left their impression. If this series, as we saw in the previous episode, is if it's about sort of like the unconscious signals and the communic and and the remnants of communication that we put out into the world and that like litters our lives like unseen garbage all around us like if 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 we're talking about that kind of thing then like what is a ghost or what is what is the intention of committing suicide other than sort of like more of the same it doesn't matter that they're dead it matters that they had these thoughts and they had these feelings that remain not just 
in sort of like an esoteric sense, but in a physical form, in the form of a of a bulletin board where they planned their suicides together. Yes, the other thing that gets me about this is what we have established here is that ghosts can exist and they persevere when there is something, when they are unrequited. And they definitely have unrequited feelings here, right? They're, what kills what kills me, and the pun is very much intended here, um, <laughs> they, in, they're dead. Yes. We don't know how they died. They keep talking about a suicide cult, so if they were into suicide and they committed suicide, then they're stuck trying over and over again to kill themselves without any success. Yeah, and like I said, those stones, there is a version of hell where children go, um, where they just stack those stones forever. And it's the I think it's the Gaki that make them do it, the hunger demons. Weird flex for hunger demons, but okay. Um... <laughs> Well, what would you have them do? I don't know. If you're a hunger demon, I would eat them all the time or something. Well, they'd uh, probably take pity on them because they're children. Although these I'm... were uh, not children <laughs> in Except some of the cases. I was going to say. You know all what right, I liked but, about but this, though, the... is that in death, they sort of, in seeking death, not even in death, but in seeking to die, they found their lust for life. That was terrible. Um, I would say... My album the, comes the, out next Tuesday. <laughs> no, but you're, you're quite... So My can we extrapolate from this that if there are ghosts um, who have desires, then it's possible that Little Slugger is also... Because they can see other ghosts. So presumably Little Slugger as a ghost can see other ghosts. Mm. And that way he can see them. Uh, Not a bad theory. So then... Maybe Little Slugger is a manifestation, at least, of a possible dead being, or at least has some aspects of that. Right. I I can't comment on that, but I can say you you know too much. I do know too much. Um, I can say that that whether you are alive or dead or whatever you are. Um, that we've now established that you leave some kind of trace. That, yeah. And so, whatever little slugger is might be some kind of trace. Is what I think you're kind of saying is that he, the the thing that we're calling little slugger could in fact be some kind of residual of yeah. something. And. If spirits, it, and it's not clear which spirits move on or not, um, one would think that these these spirits seem to have a desire that they constantly cannot fulfill, and they have not moved on. Well, or I, let's do it in reverse. These spirits have not moved on. What is it about these spirits that they share in common? Uh, at the moment, they all have this desire to die, and of course, they can't. They can't achieve that. Right. Um, Are those ghosts of people or are those physical representations or manifestations of those posts on the message board don't know but because they react to little slugger's death notice which seems to be happening in real time not little slugger kozuka's death notice 
that seems to be happening in real time, I would be inclined to say that they are ghosts. And happy spirits at that. In fact, Tori Amos, one of the premier artists of the 90s, had a song called Happy Phantom. And if I die uh, today, I'll be the happy phantom. Yeah, I, I remember. I actually enjoyed Tori Amos. Don't say I actually enjoyed Tori Amos. Just say I enjoyed her. She was incredible. I saw her live twice, maybe three times. Always amazing. I don't know if I'd go today, but in her heyday, that was some good stuff. Didn't she, like, stop and just, she raised a kid and had a normal life? Oh, I mean, she still makes music. She put out an album not too long ago, and, and one of the ones that I really liked called Unrepentant Geraldines. Um, but she also had an album where she sang about a sob, and and I think that you can't really get lower than that, so I'm happy that she recovered. <laughs> she sang about a sob? Yeah, she sang about having a sob. Oh, uh, sorry, I... Oh, I, I'm sorry, you thought sob, like crying. No, like the car. Or, or S-O-B, meaning son of a bitch. I, I wasn't quite sure where we were going with that. For someone who was such a such a live, lively, like, firecracker during her heyday, to see her, like, sort of hit that domestic period uh, was very disheartening. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I just bailed on it entirely. Like, I get it, though, because I'm in my domestic period, and, like, probably my output is also very milk toasty. but as far as my, like, creative pursuits, like, my daughter is doing this amazing art week after week. Perhaps this podcast will manifest us as ghosts and <laughs> resurrect our longing long after we're gone. <laughs> and for all of you listeners as well. <laughs> I think you have brought us to the end of this episode. I have. Uh, thank you all for listening. It has been a pleasure once again. Don and I uh, will be back next week for episode 9. Anyway, Okashiko Ikoyo! Okashiko Ikoyo! That's our worst one ever because I disagree. Hell heart. <laughs>